welcome to Zephyr Podcast Sessions with your host, me, Scott Howland. To find out more about Zephyr and how we're helping leading brands and businesses with customer journey orchestration, visit www.zephr.com. Hey, and welcome to the Zephyr Podcast Sessions. It's great to be back, and it's a new year, and it's uh, it's awesome to be joined by Sean. Hey, Sean, how are you? Doing fantastic, absolutely. How are you doing, Scott? Yeah, good. Happy New Year to awesome. you. And yes, um, uh, just very, very quickly, people probably don't know who you are. Let's have a quick intro. Who are you? Where do you work? And what's your experience? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for inviting me. It's really a pleasure to be here and talking with you today. So just a real quick uh, history about my background. I currently work at Vidora, where I'm the head of operations and sales engineering. And Vidora is a machine learning platform that allows marketing and product teams to really own the fact of taking the data that they already have and using machine learning to turn that into predictions, which is something that we're gonna talk a little bit more about today. But my history is really in working with marketers to capture and leverage customer data in better ways than they have in the past. And so that includes being able to capture social data, mobile data, marketing and advertising. Those are all sort of themes in my past, which has led me to working with customers today, again, to try and leverage machine learning uh, to utilize their data in a little bit better way. And that's awesome. Look, uh, I, I know we've got lots to talk about today and you've got so much experience about doing that. And over the years, you've had some great experience working for different companies in the past as well. I was uh, stalking your LinkedIn earlier and having <laughs> a look uh, as as we all do in this day and age. Yeah. Um, but um, kind of we, we started off for what are we going to talk about? We've got lots that we could. So we were going to mm-hmm. hone in on an idea. And I know you and I have had conversations and we were going to go straight in deep. How marketers become more data driven? Um, and yep. uh, it, it was you that pointed out to me and you said, everyone does that. <laughs> well, they do these days, right? Uh, data is key to this. So what we're Absolutely. going to dive into today, which is great. Uh, I think this is going to get a really uh, juicy conversation. How can you as a marketing and a product team be very or more effective using your customer data? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and as you mentioned, you know, I really feel like this term data-driven marketing, it's not something that we look forward to in the future. It's something that we're living in today. I really feel like we're in the age of data abundance. It's almost a question of like, how do I use the vast amounts of data that I have Whereas, you know, a decade or two ago, the question was more around, how do I capture that data in the first place to prove that my marketing is effective? And so given that we're living in the age of data, really the thing that I like to think about is how autonomous can you be as an individual team? So if we focus on marketers, um, being able to take the data and actually affect the product or service that they're marketing for, or being able to take that data and do something a bit more advanced, like create a machine learning model that's going to predict the future behaviors of those customers. I feel like over time, that has gone from something that is only owned by a very technical team to where we are today, where that's starting to seep over into the marketing team actually being able to do those efforts on their own. And uh, my colleague, uh, James, calls it, architecture and i guess uh, yeah. it's, it's kind of those joining of words marketing used to have to go to technical teams to get these things deployed to uh mm-hmm. they they were coding they were deploying into the infrastructure these days you can 
do most of it maybe no code maybe low code maybe not no code maybe it's low code makes a life a lot easier i i know we talk about it going out to our customers and it's talking about these customer journeys customer flows customer acquisition channels and you can drag and drop right i know vidora are talking about it you, you've talked about this your, your predictive pipelines future behaviors mm-hmm. attributes conversions whatever that might be uh, and that used to be a technical um, thing. But marketers are using this data. Marketers yep. want to do this quickly. Um, what are you seeing in the market? Uh, are you seeing more, uh, I guess, incoming queries about technology from marketing teams? Or is it still tech teams that are leading that? Yeah, definitely. I think we're in that transition where I wouldn't say it's wholly in one camp or the other. I think you get some more progressive marketing teams that are thinking more about, okay, there's these really cool technologies that seem to be creeping up, you know, like no code software, like you were talking about machine learning, uh, like we're doing here at Vidora. And so I think some of those teams are now realizing that these are things that they may be able to do themselves. Whereas I think you also get the other side of that coin, which is teams that historically have been so reliant on those technical teams that it may not even seem apparent to them that as it is today, they could start doing some of those things themselves. So I really do feel like we're sort of in that time where we do need to educate the market about what is actually possible to do on your own as a marketing team versus, you know, what do you have to rely on another team? So we get a little bit of both. Do you think that will drive more revenue for these organizations? Obviously, marketing is kind of key to their acquisition, retention, those kind of areas for your customers. We've got the sales teams, commercial teams that are driving those revenues as well. Mm -hmm. They know their customers inside out. Uh, arguably, maybe, it depends yep. on who you speak to, better than the tech teams do. Uh, do you think that will drive more revenue for these organizations? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'll answer that in two different ways. Uh, but the first way is what we like to talk with our customers a lot about is how can we remove the implicit assumptions that you're making with your data? And so let's just use a basic example that every company does, which is segment your customers. So if you have historic data about your customers, We like to call this sort of the descriptive part of segmentation, which is you're looking in the past, you're describing behaviors you see in the past, and you're using that to dictate an audience for whom you want to market to in the future. But there's a lot of assumptions based in on that, which is, are we sure we're looking at the right data in order to make assumptions about the future? And if we do have this target audience, are we sure that that segment of the audience is the best audience for the campaign or for whatever marketing that we're going to do. And so with machine learning specifically, we're able to remove some of those implicit assumptions. Whereas we're guessing at what data we should use to make the segment, and we're hoping that it's the right segment for this campaign, you sort of flip it on the edge and start with your goal. You know, Who is most likely to open this message or purchase from this campaign? Machine learning can remove some of those assumptions, say, hey, it's actually this 5% that is best situated for your campaign. And so that's just trying to remove some of the assumptions and use the data more efficiently. And so, yes, I definitely think that we can make gains there with different teams. However, the second part of my question is, and this goes back to some of the history that I have with marketing teams. Specifically, I worked at a company for a few years that did A-B testing, both of products, but also marketing campaigns. And one of the things that, you know, especially with companies just starting A-B testing is that you can't think of every test as always going to be positive for your bottom line. Sometimes you run a test that your idea that you thought was going to be great is just terrible and you know, customers don't uh, you know, take into it, but that's great. It's still a learning for your team. So while I will say, yes, I do think we can use data better using machine learning, I will also say that every prediction that you come up with won't necessarily positively impact the campaign that you're looking for. It has to be an iterative approach. But that's where you need speed. 
And that's where it moves back to giving that yep. uh, autonomy, as we've talked about, to the, the marketing and commercial teams to be able to make these changes without having to wait for uh, tech sprints and taking technical teams away from doing their day-to-day mm-hmm. job of the infrastructure, the technical side of things, and the technical product side of things, which they're obviously doing in the day-to-day uh, situation. How do organizations that have got a... Um, uh, so let's take this into context, right? You've got sure. a uh, an organization which maybe has a slightly older approach, right? They've got their technical teams, they've got their marketing teams. How do you start to bridge that gap? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's I'd say it's a custom approach for each customer. Um, I'll say a few different approaches that we've taken. So one is, you know, we often see customers that have already started inside their company doing machine learning. But I will say it's still a pretty new space. It's not like every team within the organization has their own specialist who does machine learning. So think of it as like a centralized group that can service different parts of the organization. However, like you said, there are probably some very custom, very bespoke projects that they're wanting that machine learning team to do that are like company and future um, specific projects that we really need to get right. And so let's say that we have a handful of those projects and you as a marketing team who are doing campaigns every week want to use machine learning to help find the segments for those campaigns. I think we can see how internally, in terms of prioritization, maybe those bespoke projects get deemed as a higher priority than marketing segmentation. And so oftentimes we see even some of these more forward-looking companies that are starting to do machine learning, it still becomes a problem of access and speed, as you talked about. Even though we theoretically could do it internally, let's say the turnaround time is on the magnitude of weeks and months. Well, that doesn't fit into the cadence of my marketing campaigns. So a few different ways that we've approached it is either the marketing team controls the data flow that they have. Maybe they're using a third party vendor or in other ways have a technical resource on their team that can get access to that data. Some marketing teams can simply take this on their own and use the data that they have for their machine learning campaigns. Other ways that we've done it is you can imagine if you're the head of that internal machine learning team, your goal is to service everybody in the organization. That's what you want to do. And so we can help alleviate some of those burdens and say, hey, we'll take these 10, 15% of use cases and we'll automate them for you so you don't have to worry about it. That becomes a really good way for them to sort of improve their efficiency as a team. So a few different ways that we've seen entering into organizations. And it's kind of putting it into context. It's a, it's a mindset flip, right? It, it's changing that approach. And uh, I talked um, before to um, uh, Julian Thorne, who's the chief customer at Dennis Publishing, and I talked with Katrina, who's the digital performance at Dennis mm-hmm. Publishing. I talked to uh, Deborah, who's the CTO at uh, New Scientist, and they're all talking about it as this new approach. It's um, it's the mindset flip internally. Instead of having, oh no, we need to go down this routes and follow these same kind of phases because that's what we've always done. It's actually no. What's our end goal? How are we going to get back to that? And how are we going to fit technology to help us get to our goal than rather have technology for technology's sake and have to go through those same processes? It's making life easy. It's hiring the right people to do that as Mm -hmm. well and hiring the right people to map to your mindset flip that you're trying to drive through the business from execs down to to the staff on the ground, I guess. Yeah, Um, Yeah, absolutely. And that's... That's probably the silver bullet. I don't know what that what that silver <laughs> bullet looks like, right? But um, yeah, that's what we're seeing in the market, um, and I'm sure that all organisations have this holistic view that they want to get to there, right? 
Yeah, definitely. And it's it's a conversation that you have to go through with the teams because you can imagine, let's say again, you're the head of your, I'll use our, our example for uh, purposes here. Let's say you're the head of that machine learning team and it's your job to build these models and deliver them out to your organization. One of the things that's part of your responsibility in building those models is making sure that your internal quote unquote customers, your uh, colleagues understand what that model is doing. So you probably have some guardrails. You probably have some you know, wordings that you use internally to make sure that people understand, here's the data we're using, here's what we're doing with that data, and here's how you should interpret the predictions that we're creating. And so you can imagine from our point of view, if we're coming in and saying that we can automate that process, well, it's an extremely reasonable question for the technical team to ask, okay, but how are you replacing all of that knowledge that I'm helping transfer over to my marketing team or my product team? And so one of the things that we work really hard, not just on our sales and marketing side, but building within the product is that idea of understandability. If we can create a prediction, but we just say, oh, trust us, it's a black box, don't worry about it. Well, everybody's gonna worry about it and they're not gonna trust us. And so it has to be something that's easily explainable and not just to the technical team who'll get it maybe in a early evaluation, but for a marketing team who's probably never done machine learning before over time. And so that's a really big burden to take on our shoulders is how do we make sure that everybody can understand this when they're looking at it for the first time. And I think that's what's key to all of this, and especially selling to B2Bs, as, as I'm doing, you're doing, your your teams are out there doing that. Um, it's the education side of things, which I feel mm-hmm. is key to this. And maybe it's flipping the customer funnel. We all used to be focused on getting SQLs through to pre-sales, through to uh, whatever validation, um, and through to negotiation closed one. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's about educating your users, seeing that them acknowledging there's a problem acknowledging they want to bring that experience and that learning to the marketing side of things to it's about flipping the mindset across that um is going to help that mindset um approach across these businesses and the education and the the expertise that that we as as people in the industry working on these platforms can can help pass and educate our end users Yeah, absolutely. And the way that we try to think about it is while we think in the long term, a really good state for a customer of Adora to be in is having numerous predictions running at the same time. We have customers that run dozens of predictions simultaneously, and all of them are always running. However, even though that's where we see the sort of ideal end goal, we know that we can't start there, especially with companies who maybe this is their first foyer into actually doing machine learning. So in those instances, what we actually suggest our customers do, which as you can imagine for a B2B company is sort of lowering our initial value to that customer, but it's that understandability. Let's just start with one use case. Like what is a use case that you guys struggle with internally that you think we can use data better? And so these are the typical campaigns, maybe a churn campaign, a monetization campaign, just you know something that you know you're already doing that you think you can do a little bit better. So let's take a few months, let's get the data, let's create some predictions, let's test out some campaigns. And so through that process, it's the education. Okay, this is how we ingest data and transform it to a prediction. Well, how do you do that? You know, all those different questions get answered in that one example. And you know, cross your fingers, assuming that we're successful over those few months, then the ideas start to sprout. Oh, maybe I can apply that here. And so that's where you sort of get it out. So we've definitely been taking the land and expand approach specifically for that educational purpose. And I think people start respecting you for that. 
because yeah. you're bringing value, you're getting value quickly. The marketing team are seeing value straight away or the, the product team when they're deploying these these kind of technologies. Um, and they're getting respect as they build that, they build their knowledge and they build these new kind of approaches within the business. So let's take it back to our topic. How can you mm-hmm. be effective using customer data? Um, I'm going to put you on the spot, right? What yeah. are your top three ways that uh, companies can be effective using customer data there might be loads what's your top three (laughs) yeah well i'll take a very biased approach and let's say how are three (laughs) ways that you know we've worked with customers specifically through the product that we deliver to help improve that and i'll break it down into three different types of predictions that we've seen add a ton of value to our customers so the first is probably the most understandable way that companies have used machine learning on top of data which is customer recommendations and so we work with both you can think of retail companies or media companies be it news articles, videos, anything like that. Anything where there's a lot of content for a customer to consume, and we want to sort of drive their behaviors down certain paths. Recommendations are perfect. Hey, you viewed this item, here's other items that you're interested in. Here's the top five video recommendations when you come to the home site. And so that's a way, once you have customers, to increase the engagement or just to keep people on the site more. And so that's one that a ton of our customers are using. Again, probably a very understandable way to use machine learning. And the second way is an example that we talked about before, but using past behavioral data to predict future behavior. And we've seen this used in many different examples, segmentation probably being the most obvious. And so let's take churn. Everybody's worried about customer churn being subscriptions as are canceled, or maybe it's a free service. So inactivity is essentially churn. And so every company is trying to get ahead of this. And again, if we're just using analytics data, We have to look in the past and guess, what are the key features that lead customers to churn? Maybe it's a week of inactivity. Maybe it's a month of no purchases. I'm obviously making these up on the spot, but those are our intuition, right? But if we flip that on its side and use machine learning, we can say over the next 30 days, based on all the behavior that we've captured about our customers in the past, who's most likely to churn? And what the model is going to do is say, yeah, inactivity is super important, but did you know that lack of searching is also really important and lack of opening up your emails is super important? Now, these are going to be different for each customer, but you essentially allow that data to better inform your marketing strategies. And so that's one that we work with a ton of customers on. And that's usually one of those sort of first use cases that we start with customers. But here's the third one. And this is where it's a very sort of new topic to the industry, but one over the next few years we think is really going to take off which is what we call sort of prescriptive modeling in the industry often called uplift modeling. So let's take a a marketing campaign. So the example I gave before was trying to predict a future behavior. So who's going to churn? Who is going to purchase? So that's obviously giving me indications of what a customer is going to do in the future. But what that leaves out is, okay, so what should I do about it? Should I do anything about it? And uplift modeling is specifically designed to address that question. And so if we have a campaign where we know, here's all of my users ranked from zero to 100% likely to churn, well, I could send an email campaign, I could do a pop-up on the website, I have all these different tools in my toolbox, but how do I know which ones to use? Uplift modeling addresses those questions. If I have an email campaign and I were to send it out, which customers would actually sort of have an increased likelihood of doing the action that I want? If it's churn, it's coming back to the app. If it's monetization, it's purchasing, and it'll actually rank these users. It'll say, these users will improve their probability. It'll also give you the flip side. Maybe sending this email is the straw that broke the camel's back, and they unsubscribe, and they churn right from there. Maybe a drastic example, but we can start to predict these kinds of behaviors. So that's where I'll say you know, we're trying to take our customers into the future, which is how can we prescribe tactics 
that best allowed you to get to the end goal that you're looking for. And so that's one that we're looking forward to a bit more in the future. Awesome. And uh, I love the way you link those back to Vidora. And do you know what, over the last kind of, what, six, 12 months, I've been learning more mm-hmm. and more about Vidora, working alongside you and Elle and, and the team and Alex over there, uh, yeah. I, understanding more about what you're doing. It's awesome that now we've got this integration, this partnership, and uh, we're moving forward on that, those kind of things it it's kind of this it's limitless scope of what can be done uh, how it can be done and it's the more innovation in r&d where both companies are putting into it, it it's awesome to see look i've got two more questions for you sure Sean. um you don't know anything about these questions well you might do but <laughs> let's see so uh with 2021 uh we're still living in this uh this world of um of, of covid but when it's over yep. um hopefully i can get over to to san francisco and and, and meet you in uh, in person over there Absolutely. Um, we're going to go to a local bar and uh you're going to choose a, a drink what's your go-to drink of choice um Outside of water, uh, champagne. Champagne. Look say, at that. I'm not a big. I'm not a big alcohol drinker. So if I'm gonna drink, you might as well go to you know the fancy <laughs> stuff. So it's for the rare occasions that I do drink, I'll usually go with a something that sparkles. Love it. And uh, my last question: I'm cre- curating a, um, uh, a playlist, music, um, uh, putting some trying to get some feel good songs on there. Uh, what's your go to song to add to that playlist? Hmm. So there's one that's been in my mind. And it's, I don't know, every time I talk about it to somebody, either they have no idea what I'm talking about or it's controversial, which is, have you seen the, the movie Tenant, the Christopher Nolan movie that got released last year? No, I saw it uh, for sale the other day in uh, my local superstore, but no, I didn't buy it. Gotcha. <laughs> so I'll give away no spoilers, but it's a very confusing movie. Um, and so I've watched it a few different times because I love Chris Nolan. However, to answer your question, um, the uh, credit song is actually a Travis Scott song that he wrote specifically for the movie, which is odd. You wouldn't think of like a hip hop artist as being a part of the contribution to like an orchestral score for a big film. But it, if you've seen the movie, it's the perfect song for the score. And it kind of has like a driving beat behind it. So if you need a little bit of motivation kind of to push you forward, um, it's called The Plan by Travis Scott. That's one I've been listening to a lot recently. Cool. I'll, uh, I'll give it a listen. Um, and I, I also need to watch the film. Uh, so I'll, I'll do yeah. both. <laughs> I can't necessarily say I recommend it because it's honestly the most confusing movie I've ever watched. And I've not heard one person who's watched it the first time and said they've understand it. However, I enjoy sort of diving into movies, watching it a few different times, going on YouTube, finding theories. So if you enjoy that part of movie watching, it's for you. If you want to watch it once and get it, uh, it's probably not going to be enjoyable. Sounds like one I have to watch without my wife because she'll be asking questions, um, which is uh, always good fun. But look, Sean, really appreciate you being on today. Thank you for being on the Zephyr podcast sessions and uh, hopefully we catch up soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Scott. 